is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Hand. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2017. And today we've got a little bit of Clippers news to talk about, actually, although it's not with regards to the roster, but actually in the broadcast booth. And then we're going to roll into some of the early player previews from Clips Nation this week. I'll break down my thoughts on a few of the players at the back end of the roster and then getting into next week hopefully I'll be able to settle a little more into a routine routine and have shows a little bit more regularly um, and kind of break out of this once a week mold so first of all we're going to talk about the news of the day Um, it came out last night from a report by Brad Turner of the LA Times that the Clippers have parted ways with Mike Smith the longtime color commentator, partner with Ralph Lawler for the last 19 seasons, and they are replacing him with Bruce Bowen. Um, So the Mike Smith connection was that he played with the Clippers in the 90s, um, not for a long time, and he didn't play very much, but he did have that connection as a former player of the team, and he had been with Ralph for a very long time. They had very good chemistry together, even though I know that Mike wasn't always super popular among the fan base. People felt like he was a homer. I feel like There was maybe a little bit of backlash because fans of other teams didn't like Mike Smith when they tuned into Clippers games, and then Clippers fans may have felt like they didn't like hearing about how they had a homer announcer, and so they wanted someone who wasn't a homer. I never felt like Mike Smith was too bad of a homer. I really think more than anything, he was just a serial exaggerator. And so when he was high on someone on the Clippers, he would exaggerate, and that, of course, you know, counts as Homer-ish because it's the team that he covers. But at the same time, we often heard him be overly complimentary of other teams and players on other teams to a sort of equally ridiculous agree to his, um, you know, Homer-ish stances with the Clippers. I never found any of it to be too egregious. I think he, you know, he exaggerated. He was hyperbolic when he talked about how good players were and his expectations for them. But I don't think that that's necessarily the worst trait in a broadcaster. I think he had very good chemistry with Ralph Lawler, obviously, and I think a lot of longtime Clippers fans will have affectionate memories of those days when the Clippers didn't win a lot of games and the you know, it was almost like an improv show between Mike um Mike and Ralph in the second half of games when the Clippers are down thirty and they're not really you can't really talk about what's going on in the basketball court in too much detail. So they would tell stories um from Mike's playing days being a backup to Larry Bird in Boston, Ralph working with Bill Walton before Mike joined the broadcasting team. And so this is almost like an era of Clipper basketball. I mean, Ralph Lawler is probably the most prominent, like, institution of Clipper basketball, being with the team for over 30 years. And the fact that Mike Smith was his partner for almost two full decades is a big deal. Um, Now, someone mentioned in the Clips Nation comments that this could potentially be a sign that the Clippers are preparing um, 
for Ralph Lawler's retirement, I think it does make sense to probably not keep Mike Smith around post-Ralph. And so it could be that if Ralph is retiring after this season, maybe one or two more years, he's told them that that's when he wants to retire. They could be looking for a different color commentator um, to try to sort of pass the torch and then Brian Seaman presumably will take over as the play-by-play guy. Brian Seaman, the longtime Clippers radio announcer, should be taking over as the play-by-play guy once Ralph retires. But maybe they didn't want to replace the whole booth in one season. So it's a chance to sort of try out Bruce Bowen in that color commentary role and then incorporate um, Brian Seaman in a year or two. That, that's just one speculative possibility. Now, Bruce Bowen is an interesting choice for this because... He has no connection with the Clippers, really. Um, he had, you know, obviously most famous for his time with the Spurs as a defender. Those really epic Spurs Suns playoff series um, in the like mid two thousands. But it's just, it's kind of out of the blue. A lot of these teams have their color commentators are someone who has a history with the team, a former player. Um, you know, it's normally someone who who has played for the team in the past. But so, it is a little interesting. Bruce does have some broadcasting experience he's worked for ESPN for the last few years I don't have a strong vibe of of how good he is as an ESPN announcer I know that's what everyone's worried about is well how good is he how good is he the truth is a lot of times it's subjective some people love announcers that other people hate but I do recall not being a huge fan of him when he first started but I think it's important to remember that a lot of times especially these guys who are former players they don't have a broadcasting background so talking on camera is new to them. That doesn't mean that they don't have something valuable to offer. It just means they need to kind of work out those bumps in the road. And then they'll be able to um, sort of flourish a little bit more. So he wasn't... I think Jalen Rose is a great example of that because I used to rag on Jalen Rose all the time because he was so bad. It's like Even when he was saying something that was of merit, he just was so stiff and awkward and speaking robotically on camera. And I still think to an extent his voice isn't quite there, but he has progressed majorly. I I mean, there was a period of time where I would just switch the channel when Jalen Rose came on. Like I could not listen to him. And now I don't, it doesn't, he doesn't bug me as much. And so I think Bruce is a guy who I do remember him not being great when he first came on, but that is something that presumably he's improved on just with a couple years of experience with ESPN and something that should get better if he has a, long-term role announcing for the Clippers and obviously he brings a great level of expertise as as a defender a guy who played in all those playoff series with the Spurs and just fun little fun fact Bruce is known for his bow ties so that's something they always made fun of him for in ESPN he always had a different bow tie so that's something that presumably we will see carried over into the broadcast booth for the Clippers this season Bruce Bowen and his bow ties now if you want to catch one of the Clippers games when the season starts in a couple weeks, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. 
And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today. That's promo code LONBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, we'll probably have a little more to say about Bruce Bowen in the coming days when details come out. Um, even though, like I said, I'm not sure how, how great Bruce is at this, I am super relieved that the Clippers did not hire Reggie Miller, who Brad Turner um, reported that they offered the job to because Brad Turner, or because Reggie Miller, pardon me, is a horrible announcer, like really, 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 really bad at announcing basketball games. And it would be horribly painful to mute Ralph Lawler all season because he was talking to Reggie Miller. But thankfully, that didn't happen. And so now, um, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks, especially early in the season when we see how Bruce is doing and how that chemistry with Bruce and Ralph turns out. But for now, I want to get into the first week of player previews. Again, this is a series that we run on CrypsAsia.com every season. We go day by day, one by one, through every player on the roster. We look at what their role is going to be, what our expectations are for them, how they fit into the team's short and long-term plans. And so this season being the first, or this week being the first week of this season's player preview series, it's it's the third string, guys, basically. Um, but there's a few of them I want to talk about, and then um, next week we'll get into it a little more, especially getting into second unit guys who will go a little more depth individually into each of them. I also want to really encourage you guys to go check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast with Josh Lloyd. I just recorded a full hour-long episode with him. We went up and down the Clippers roster. We talked about what to expect from guys who might have an increase in fantasy value this year, who might have a decrease and then Josh, who is a fantasy whiz, um, I don't know much about fantasy basketball. I'm not a fantasy basketball player myself, but obviously I have a little bit of Clippers expertise. So we kind of worked together. We worked on what I know about the Clippers and what he knows about how the stuff that I know translates to fantasy basketball. And that hopefully will give you guys and anyone who listens some pretty good insight onto where they should draft players from the Clippers or, or if they should draft them at all. Um, so that should be great. You should definitely go check that out. If you're a fantasy basketball player, I assume it will be invaluable to you because presumably if you're a Clippers fan who plays fantasy basketball, you're going to want to have at least a couple of our guys on your team. And even if you aren't a fantasy basketball player, we really kept the fantasy talk to a minimum. It was more like we did segments talking about players and what to expect from them and what their role could be, what their stats might look like. And then Josh, just at the end of each segment, sort of translated that to where they should go in a fantasy draft. So even if you're not a fantasy basketball player, I think there's a lot of value in that podcast. I think it was a really good show. So I definitely encourage you to go check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. His Clippers episode is all just me and him chatting about the guys. So now stepping into the Clippers player preview from our Clips Nation perspective, I want to talk about the Clippers' depth in a couple of positions. So I want to talk about their rookies, and then I want to talk about Wesley Johnson and Jameel Wilson. So we'll, we'll kick off with the rookies, um, Jawan Evans and Sandarius Thornwell. I think both are probably going to be in similar roles as we've seen Clipper rookies in the past. Um, they might get time if they're not with the D-League and if they're with the Clippers, they might get time in blowouts. Doc's, you know, Doc will give them some chances in garbage time. 
And I think Sindarius especially, just because of his physical maturity and the patience in his game and his well-rounded style of play, I think he might be seen as an insurance option. I'm not sure that Juwan is really ready to be relied upon for depth at this point. I think that while he has a lot of skill and he has tremendous quickness and athleticism, I think that he does need to learn a little bit more of point guard skill in the NBA, especially because one tendency that I saw from him when I watched his college tape was that he overpenetrates a lot. Um, he gets into these bad situations, and I know I've talked about this before, and that's something that's only going to be worse in the NBA where the guy guarding you is a better defender, the guy guarding the screener is more capable of hedging against you, and all of the help defenders are going to crowd you more and make it even harder to get your shot off. So some of those tough contested shots that he ends up forcing up could turn much for the worse against much more athletic, skilled, and defensive. So I think he needs some time in the D-League, but I do think, you know, I, obviously I've talked about before that I like him as a prospect. And I think Sundarius is the guy who might be a little more ready this season if the Clippers, you know, need six minutes from a wing defender. Because I do think that the level of wing defense that he is able to supply right now would be immediately translatable to an NBA level. Now that doesn't mean that he's an elite NBA defender where hopefully one day he would get to like stopper status where he's known for his defense. But I do think that he immediately translates as a capable NBA defender, which is a pretty big deal for a rookie because that's one area where most rookies struggle a lot. I think the biggest question for Sundarius is going to be what the progression on his jump shot is like. Because as we saw, and as I've talked about before, he sort of made himself learn how to shoot that college corner three at South Carolina, but shooting the NBA three comfortably is a lot different than shooting that college corner three at South Carolina. And so we saw him really struggle in the summer league with his range. A lot of the shots weren't even close and it's not, I think he's probably even worse off in that transition than your average player because your average player might have a good jump shot and just need to work on stepping back a couple feet farther. I think that Sindarius really needs to rebuild his jump shot because I don't think that set shot that he learned in college, which helped him scrape by at South Carolina, I don't think you can just add a couple feet to that release. I think it, he really needs to rebuild and start over. So that might not get there this season, but just overall, he's a skilled player. He's a smart player. He's very capable. He's very gritty defensively. You know, on offense, he's going to do the right things. He'll set screens. He'll cut to open spaces on the floor. He'll curl and make mid-range jump shots. And so I think he is playable, although I'm not sure that he will be especially quality as a rookie. I do think he's playable if the Clippers need for depth. I think he's a guy who might stay on the roster a little bit more. Jawan Evans is a guy who I expect to see spend a lot of time with the Agua Caliente Clippers in the D-League. Now, the other two guys I want to talk about are Wesley Johnson and Jameel Wilson, because I think that these two are a really interesting sort of case of contrasting players. Um, Wesley Johnson, a guy who came out of Syracuse, fourth in the draft, you know, he was supposed to be an all-star level player, and he, he never was that, but that, you know, he's been a capable NBA player in his career. Jameel Wilson is a guy who, at 27, is just now on a two-way contract, not even an NBA contract. He's been playing in the D-League. He hasn't been in the NBA yet, and so sort of coming from opposite beginnings, and I, I think what's interesting is that, I mean, even Jamil Wilson, he's not on the 15-man roster. He is on a two-way contract. Wesley Johnson is making, I think, around $6 million this season to be on the 15-man roster. But if you did a poll of Clippers fans right now, and you said, who would you rather see get 
playing time for the Clippers this season, Wesley Johnson or Jameel Wilson, I think almost everyone would say Jameel Wilson. I would say Jameel Wilson because I think we've seen Wesley Johnson and what we've seen is at best mediocre. And Jameel Wilson, I think, legitimately does have a chance to be, you know, solid, average, you know, capable backup combo forward. And Wesley Johnson, we just haven't seen that from. Now, I don't want to totally write off Wesley. He had a decent first season. I think he's totally miscast as a small forward just because he doesn't, he can't really stay in front of players defensively at that position. I think we've seen him be more effective as a backup power forward where he can be a good team defender and hit corner threes. The problem is that last season he couldn't hit corner threes. And so then you talk about a guy in Wesley Johnson who can't stay in front of anyone defensively, can't defend in the post because he's way too skinny, doesn't rebound especially well, especially if you're trying to play him at power forward. He doesn't rebound well for a power forward. He's a solid team defender. He can help. He has length. He's athletic. He has good positioning. He cannot dribble on offense. He cannot pass on offense. And he cannot make shots on offense. So you're talking about like a one-dimensional defensive player. And those guys either don't exist in the NBA or they exist in a very limited capacity as like an end of bench guy. And so that's where I really think he is right now. I hope, you know, I'm hopeful as anything that Wesley Johnson will be able to have a resurgence. But where I see him right now heading into camp, not even necessarily a prediction, because I do think there's a chance that I would be surprised if his season this year wasn't at least better than his season last year, even if it's not as good as he was his first year with the Clippers or in his time with the Lakers. But I just think going into training camp on a 14-man roster, he's number 15. I, I just don't see there being a lot of value coming from him this season, um, which is definitely disappointing. And hopefully he can earn a better role. I, I don't necessarily see him overtaking any of the rotation guys. that you know We've established pretty much who the top 10 in the pecking order should be. But... Maybe if he has a really good stretch, he can prove that, or if, if he really proves himself in training camp in preseason, or maybe if someone gets injured and he gets opportunities, then he can establish that he's a reliable depth option. Um, I think that 11th man role on this team is really there for the taking when you consider that his competition is Bryce Johnson, who's essentially a rookie, Jawan Evans and Sundari Stormwell, who both are rookies, and Jamil Wilson, who's on a two-way contract and can't spend a lot of time with the team. Wesley Johnson should be the 11th man by default. And it's going to be up to him to prove in training camp that he's at least reliable as depth in that role and essentially show Doc Rivers, hey, if Sam Decker sprains his ankle and can't play for two weeks, I'm the guy who should be getting those minutes. You shouldn't call up Jamil to play. You shouldn't slot Sandarius in. I'm the guy who should get those minutes. I think right now, Wesley has fallen so far that that's not a sure thing, which it really probably should be considering who he is as a player how much money the Clippers have invested in him but the reality is that I mean that's the situation that he's played himself into so hopefully he can earn that 11th man spot but I do think that there's a really interesting case to be made for Jameel Wilson especially because the Clippers don't need competition for the backup small forward spot if they need a competition for the backup small forward spot Wesley would have a leg up because of his NBA experience and because of the fact that he's on the 15-man roster and Jameel isn't, and the Clippers can't afford to add another player to the 15-man roster because of the luxury tax. But because the Clippers are looking for a depth option, it's basically the competition for 11th man, 12th man. It's the competition for who's going to play if 
Gallinari or Wesley Johnson or um, Montrez Harrell or Blake Griffin misses a couple weeks. And it's safe to say, especially in the case of Gallinari, that he'll probably miss at least some time. So you're going to need someone to slot into some of those small forward minutes. Now my guess would be Sam Decker will get an increase in minutes. We'll see more three-guard lineup with of those four you know, main rotation guards that the Clippers have. We'll probably see more of three of those guys playing at once. But there is an opportunity for a guy like Wesley Johnson or Jameel Wilson to step in. Now again, if the Clippers needed someone for 82 games to be the backup small forward, Wesley would have a leg up because of his contract status. But because the Clippers might need someone for maybe 15 or 20 games, this really gives Jameel an opportunity to use those 45 days that he's allowed on the main team effectively. Because if Wesley doesn't establish himself, and then Gallinari or Decker rolls an ankle, look for Jameel Wilson to be called up and have a chance to earn those you know, injury replacement minutes because the Clippers will only need a short-term replacement. Jameel Wilson is a short-term fill-in because he's allowed to spend 45 games with a big team. So I think that's something that could be really interesting to track, especially considering the injury history of Daniel Gallinari and to an extent Blake Griffin, where you expect Gallinari to miss time, you might expect Blake Griffin to miss some time too, which means that there will be forward minutes up for grabs among these backup options. Bryce Johnson is a little bit of a unique case because he's a power forward. And so if Blake Griffin is injured, Bryce could see some minutes, but he would also be competing with Wesley and Jameel. But if one of those small forwards gets injured, it's really going to be between Wesley and Jameel. It's one of those two. And so that would be really interesting to see because I think it could be a legitimate, a legitimate competition between a guy making $6 million and a guy on a two-way contract for who's going to get those minutes. Um, so that's something that I'm definitely watching for because I anticipate that it will come into play. I think you should always anticipate that at some point in an 82-game campaign, you're going to need your third option at every position at one point or another. Uh, the Clippers, you know, some teams, that, that doesn't end up being the case. Some teams, you end up needing a fourth or fifth option at some positions. Sometimes you have a guy like DeAndre Jordan who seems to play almost every game, almost every season. Sometimes you have a guy like Danilo Gallinari who seems to miss a lot of games every season. So it varies, but I think it's good to think about if the Clippers have an injury at center, who's the third center? It's probably Montrez Harrell, or if they end up giving that second two-way contract to a guy like Marshall Plumley, then maybe Marshall Plumley comes up for eight minutes a night while someone's down. Who's the third option at power forward? Well, it gets interesting. It could be Jameel, it could be Wesley, you could see Gallinari or Decker slide over there, or you could see Bryce Johnson step into that role. So they've got a lot of options at power forward. At the guard positions, because of the fact that all four of those guys, Beverly, Rivers, Teodosic, and Lou Williams, can all play both guard positions. They're sort of, by default, those four guys in some order are options one through four at both guard positions. And then you get into probably Jawan at point guard and Zendarius at shooting guard as the fifth option. But small forward, it's going to be a legitimate battle. Who's the third small forward? Does Jamil earn it? Does Wesley earn it? Can Sindarius play that role in some spots? He's a little undersized, but we see that size doesn't always matter when it comes to wing defense if you're good enough and athletic enough. The Clippers have also played Austin Rivers at that spot before when they felt like they didn't have options, and we could end up potentially seeing a lot of that again if there's a situation where Gallinari goes down and Doc feels like both Jamil and Wesley have proven that they're not trustworthy. So 
that's something that's really something to watch for. That's why I wanted to kind of do a podcast where I combined talking about Jamil and Wesley because I feel like there's a lot more to examine in that situation when you consider those two guys and their relationship to each other than there is when you just consider their individual trajectories. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Clippers podcast. We will be back next week. We will continue our player preview series. We will be discussing the Clippers media day, which is September 25th, and what players say at that. And it'll be good times for everyone involved. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can tweet me at LucasJHan. You can email me lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. Make sure to follow along the Clips Nation blog for all of our preseason coverage and all these great player preview articles being written by the Clips Nation staff. It's just clipsnation.com. And follow along on Twitter at clipsnationSBN. Thanks for listening, guys. This is, this is Lucas Han signing off for Lockdown Clippers. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.